ジュートジュートジュートジュートジュートジュートジュートジュートジュートジュートジュートジュートジュートジュートジュートジュートジュートジュートジュートジュートジュートジュートジュートジュートジュートジュートジュートジュートジュートジュートジュートジュートジュート
We played the records, mm -hmm. we picked the needle up and go over the part yeah, again, the groove, pick it up, yeah. pick it up and go over it again and again. Oh, that's how it goes. Oh, that's how it goes. Mm -hmm. And uh, a friend of mine, one of my first bands in um, uh, seventh grade, we, um, no, I think it was in 11th grade, I'm sorry, 11th grade, because Woodstock uh, had happened and everybody fell in love with Soul Sacrifice. And what he did was we had... Um, uh, th three inch reel tape mm -hmm. on a micro small tape thing that everybody had a little plastic microphone and we recorded um, doing Soul Sacrifice you guys played Soul Sacrifice? I, I actually he put it on on the internet and uh, all of a sudden my, my friend Bruce said uh, Elliot was in a band with me and here's what we did it was funky, but it was Soul Sacrifice. Soul Sacrifice. So Soul Sacrifice is the band. That's the name of Carlos Santana's band? No, no that's no. the name of his number one song that actually happened. Not maybe not the best song he did, but... And he wasn't even he was crazy even big back like, at that time. That was when he was just not starting lo out. Locally he was. Locally he was. He was very, like, when, when he got invited to play in Woodstock, he was up and coming. It was actually called the Carlos Santana Blues Band. But they were originally known out in, in California, not at all on the East. Yeah, yeah, definitely, because that's where he's from, right? He played yeah, the Fillmore yeah. West. Right, Fillmore West. And, and the person who did well, a lot of the bookings, okay, um, said to the producers of Woodstock, you know, if you want me to give you Jefferson Airplane and some of the other big artists that you do know, you're going to have to bring in Santana, who they didn't know. Mm. And that ended up being great, because um, as soon as Santana started playing, people just all of a sudden became energetic. Mm. It, they, Saturday morning Woodstock was kind of a little flat because people were all burnt out from the night before not getting sleep mm -hmm. the opening acts on Saturday w were fine but they um, were not appreciated as much until Santana came on mm -hmm. so alright so we, this... were, we were one of the first people to um, listen to Santana and start playing Santana. Mm. There was it was just like they were fresh, they were new, they mm -hmm. were like yeah. different. He's when you were a kid, when you were younger, yeah, you know? I was yeah. The so young kid. yeah, that was... all right. So what, what, so what year, what year is this when you guys? Well, how long have you guys known each other? Ah, he doesn't remember this, but I actually first met him when I moved into the neighborhood. When I moved into the neighborhood, uh, what, what, and this is in Franklin Square? No, 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 no I no. moved into I moved to Woodmere in in say eighty in ninety seven. Okay. I don't want to jump from time to yeah. time. Yeah. So, do you want to hold off? Or yeah, 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 yeah. Let's hold off. All right, so let's let's start with this. Like, all right, before we even get into uh, what's the where we thing. met? Yeah, where we met. All right. So, can you? I guess can you give a little bit about yourself? Very good. Yeah, First of all, I also love Dunkin' Donuts. I also go there. After. <laughs> I've been going there after every band practice. Yeah. Because I'm always tired, and I always say, Melissa or Mike, if I'll buy you. Donuts, no one ever shows up. So it's usually all tired. me sitting there by myself looking oh. at the news on my phone. Mm -hmm. But look what it comes out of being there. Now, mm -hmm. I, I grew up in uh, Brooklyn, Flappish Avenue, Kings Highway. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, I know exactly where I was. There's a Dunkin' Donuts right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so oh, both, There's a Starbucks, so both too. Are from Brooklyn. Some from oh, Brooklyn. Yeah, okay. And then when I was 10, I moved to Staten Island. Staten Island, oh, okay. And, okay. And, okay. I was Staten Island. Yeah. You too? No, 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 no. Uh, I liked it because at mm -hmm. the time, you know, I, I hated the city. And in Staten Island, there was, a, you know, there were woods. There was a creek. There mm -hmm. was, uh, you know, so I, I, I liked suburbia, whatever, in, in that sense. Mm -hmm. And I started playing in bands, you know, like in high school and jamming with people in the area. But, you know, 
What That's, got you into it? Like, what got you into um, me? Like, what, what was, like, your earliest memory? Like, this is something... I, I will tell you that. I remember as five years old, and I remember being at certain parades and hearing bands play, and it's something that just pulled me pulled me about it. And then when I was younger, going to weddings and stuff like that, bar mitzvahs and weddings, and just, I would be the kid who would stand next to the band and ask if I could play the keyboards or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and then, so, so then I took lessons, and um, I actually got... Th- thrown out of lessons because you had a teacher mine had bad breath he smelled like garlic he breathed in my face and I just couldn't handle it and also I didn't like do my work so, he, uh-huh. so I got thrown out yeah. but I continued to jam a lot I played with my brother because he played guitar Yeah. my first keyboard was this, was this cheap this doesn't exist anymore it was called a Magnus organ it was oh you turn it on it blows oh air so it's blow. It, it like blows air and then when you hit the notes the air is gonna go under and it go boom really sounds like crap oh, okay. but I jammed on it I played mm-hmm. Freebird by Leonard Skinner on that crappy key organ with other people then in high school though I did get into a band that was more classic rock um, we were playing at Fort Hamilton High School which was so wonderful until the singer who looked like Jim Morrison decides to take out a marijuana joint in 19 in the 80s and then you know, weren't allowed <laughs> and the cops came and ended up that was the end of the show which was oh. bad because we had a huge huge crowd yeah. oh. um, and then later on um I, I guess in my 20s, actually when, when I, yeah, in my 20s, I started managing blues bands and going through the booking things and putting all the effort to get work and to get new musicians and so on. I didn't think Woodstock. I mean, I liked the songs, but I was more just into playing anywhere I could and, 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 and I enjoyed so, blues. So how, so how old, um, oh, is this your cell phone? This morning. Oh, is yours? Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you like, yeah. yeah, yeah no, no, no problem. problem. It's no problem. I'll be right back. <laughs> yeah. Forgot to. Oh, yeah. Forgot to. Because I made sure I put my. Right. Everyone, turn off your phone. Put it to vibrate. Yeah. <laughs> and if it's vibrating, don't put it on the table. Yeah. But I guess. Um. So yeah. I guess when it comes back, we we can like talk about like um. Because I want to talk about. I guess. You know that was a robo call too. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I see that. I don't answer my phone any. any I didn't. I'm glad I, don't I didn't. Know why I have a house phone? Because when they hit you on the house phone, all it is uh-huh. is the IRS yeah. pretending they're gonna like. You know. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I hear you. So, all right. So, how? I guess let's let's get into this now. So, how old was you? How old were you guys when Woodstock happened? I was uh, sixteen. I was four. You was four. Oh, okay. All right. So you're okay. So you're older. All right. So, Actually, um, before Woodstock, my mother told my sister to take me to the West Hempstead Island Garden. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Keep you away. She wanted, my sister was uh, three years older, right? She's 18 years old. She did not want to so go to Woodstock. She did not want to, t- no, it wasn't Woodstock. She didn't want to take me to the Island Garden. Mm-hmm. She was going with her girlfriend. Yeah. And, I was, and I, she said, well, I had to go with her, right? So I went with her. And there was, um, I walked in and everyone had like toupees, sunglasses, and a goatee. Mm. At the Island Garden? You know who was playing? Who? Some guy named Bob Dylan. Wow. Okay. I heard of Bob Dylan. Well, instead of, hey, instead of Woodstock, that's not bad. Yeah. No, I just want to bring it up. The that's a good consolation prize. The problem was that um, uh, he had a group of people behind him that uh, were sensational. And mm-hmm. they were who did he have the band? He had the band. What year was this? 1967. Wow. Is that about right? That's impressive. That's that's very impressive. But listen, I I got to go there to see the Young Rascals make the debut performance. Mm -hmm. 
I saw Leslie West before he was in a group called Mountain. He was in a group called The Vagrants there. Oh, okay. Um, I also, I went to, when I was at Nassau Community, mm -hmm. I get, they, they opened up with um, uh, George Carlin. Oh, George oh, Carlin? He the comedian? And he opened yeah. up for Shanana. Shanana, I never heard of them. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, they do everything. Do They're a doo-wop, ten-piece doo-wop. They're three guys in gold suits. There's one guy named Bowser. Who hit all the low notes? Yeah, low notes and everything okay. like that. And they were great. They did. They, they danced. So did you? So did, so you? Did you ever go to Woodstock or you, your no, mom my, didn't let no, you? No, no, no. My sister went. Your sister went. Wow. Okay. And so she just left you. Yeah, but, but she came back and she turned me on to hash for the first time. Hash. I didn't even smoke pot. How old were you? <laughs> How old were you? I was sixteen. Sixteen. And uh, I was younger in Staten Island, so uh, yeah, yeah, she's, yeah. I mean, she was basic. friends at the time with Joni Mitchell. Mm -hmm. Your sister was friends with Joni Mitchell, yes, that? she was. Jo she wrote the song Woodstock. She was very, she's still alive, still she performs, said, but she was yeah. very famous, uh, very famous folk she's singer. She's like in a thing about Canada, Carole but, King. But, but very famous. Uh, mm. Could have played at Woodstock, uh, turned it down, mm. but one of the higher end people that. That at the time. At the time, she was phenomenal. So, so um, so getting so when you when you got older and everything, so did you? What was like the first band you started like playing in? I'll be honest with you. When I was in fifth grade, I put a group of two guys on my block. All three of us played guitar, and we serenaded. Uh, the end of the fifth grade, I already had a four or five chords on a guitar. And so did everybody else. We went and we sang to our own fifth grade class, I Want to Hold Your Hand by the Beatles, okay. which was their first song. And I'm thinking about it. I, I picked the guitar up in February, and the end of the season was uh, June. Mm. So by June, I was able to play. I, I wanted to play so badly I played. Mm. Okay, and okay. Then I was in bands in high school, one band that was really... Uh, incredible. I had, um, I had a band called Cambridge, which was like a laid-back thing. We were first getting into the early Eagles. Yeah. But we, um, I had a band uh, called The Lighter Side of Darkness that had a huge high like school following. Yeah? Mm -hmm. What's the like initials? What's the initials? Lighter Side of Darkness. Uh, L -S yeah. L I. No. L-S-D. Oh, wait, L-S... Oh, oh, yeah, Light is L-S-D. And a lot of people back then were going, yeah, man. Yeah, man. That's a great name. You can recycle it. It is. Wow. Yeah, that's a good You can bring it bring it back. No one will know. Then I had... And with us, because we go into the Fillmore, they had the Joshua White Light Show where they mixed water and oils. Which, by the way, we have had that, not the official Joshua Light Show, but someone who does the same kinds of things, yeah. at our retro fests. Mm. Well, we had we that, have that happen. Okay. So we, had guy the, that we had the and Stoned Experience Definitely. Light Show. Oh, okay. And <laughs> now, I'll tell you something. The funniest thing that ever happened, and I think I never told you this too, I, we were playing um, a guy named Ray Faber right by this north side of the parkway. Mm -hmm. And we were up on the roof, and he sets a big sheet screen up there and we had a uh, stolen opaque projector from the school and we're mixing oil they were mixing the oils and we were playing in front we didn't know what was going on. this guy named kenny came in with his father's eight millimeter stag films 
and he starts projecting <laughs> on, 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 behind us. So we don't see it. And there's porno going on behind us. Wow. They're like playing music. And so what happened? in the back. Wow. And we, they're, looking, they're not looking at you. They're looking at the porn. But you <laughs> yeah. think it's them. And they're like, wow, they like us. <laughs> Until we caused a car crash on the Southern State. Wow. No, wow. someone crashed wow. on the Southern they, State. People watching it. <laughs> that is crazy. And then the, the state police crazy. came there. They broke everything down. They shut it down. And they went, all right, who owns this? <laughs> and he was gone. <laughs> so, we don't know. We don't, we're sitting there playing. We're not even looking at this stuff. Wow, that's funny. Yeah, that's, we should try no, that's that one. Crazy. You know, next time I next time we playing in a place and the owner complains, there's not enough people. We're gonna put it up on the screen. So, but today the technology outweighs. It's all digital today. You can mm-hmm. do anything you want on the screen. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. <laughs> so, uh-huh. like, so what? So now that like you you say you was like um a teenager and was talking everything, so like just what about it like for you guys? Because I see how it's such a heavily influenced with you guys to this day. Um, so what about it like just drawing into you like with Santana and all the groups like that? Like, what about it just drawing you into it? The variety of of the core of those years of music. Between the Janis Joplin, the Jim Morrison's, the Jimi Hendrix, mm. all everyone had something to offer for us as musicians, growing yeah. into what they were doing, mm-hmm. uh-huh. and uh, it was just fantastic because you could look at the Moody Blues, uh, or you could you could look at Chicago, day and night the two, and you could take some. And all the, not all these bands were what's up with from the, from the era. Mm. From the year, right? yeah, definitely from like that late sixties, right? early seventies, early seventies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about these different um, retrofest tries to reproduce these other Woodstock style concerts, so some of these bands are at those, you know, mm. right, um, you, you know, like he does Monterey. Yeah, in '67 it was the Monterey Festival. Pop Fest. Oh, that okay, was a few okay. years earlier. Some of the bands were in common, some of them were not. Mm. But um, it was, um, but that's kind of when it started. I mean, that, look, there's Bonnaroo and all those things mm-hmm. now. This was different because um, it was on a smaller scale. It wasn't mm-hmm. as fancy. Hey, how was like, so how was like, New, I guess we can like talk about it. Like how was New York, I guess, growing up in New York around that time? And yeah. Oh, actually, it's, it was in the 60s. A lot of yeah, in the 60s and 70s. Okay, uh, in the mid to late 60s, the hippie movement came from California to love Piece. Yeah, 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 the flower, yeah. flower. Sadly, I don't remember. It changed that for. Yeah, you young. I remember it. Yeah. But the whole thing, what I do remember. I do remember the seven. Is that my mm-hmm. my sister was going out with this guy named uh, Glenn Matei, who was a guitar player, and he sat down with me a lot. Yeah. He was the lead guitar player for the Joffrey Ballet in mm-hmm. Manhattan. Yeah, I've never heard of it. Joffrey Ballet was one of the biggest. Uh, Modern things before the Broadway show Hair came out. Mm. Oh, yeah. speaking about Hair, at Woodstock, these the the second person who played at Woodstock was a band called Bert Summer. It was the tr- trio, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he was actually connected to the Vagrants. He helped write some of the words. Mm-hmm. He was a singer. He was the main guy in Hair. Like he was. Yeah. Well, if you, do, you I hope when you play this back and you listen to what we're mentioning and things. Look up some of what we're oh, talking definitely. about. Yeah. You'll say, "Holy shit!" You know, <laughs> and you guys, did you guys see the like uh, any of the movies? 
Woodstock movie or um, I, I remember I've seen I, I've seen like a little bit that's where I, like cause I'm a big music head too like and he's more and, of a he's more of a, a music music head yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm more like up to him with like the current uh, yeah, music, yeah I dabble with a little a little little like well I have to put him on to yeah. like the old school I'm like, like old school I'm like a really big just because of like my father. Like my father was like a really like he put me onto a lot of you know stuff. That's the only reason why I know such things as like um you know Carlos Santana and uh, Jimi Hendrix. We, and uh, the other thing that we, the other area that I really fell in love with was Motown. Motown, yeah, yeah, yeah the I ten love ten. Motown. We actually you, the funny oh, thing yeah, is yeah, yeah. we. I wish I wish we saw. I can't. We can't we, find we the can't DVD. Find but the video, so we, in like elementary movie. school, yeah. we did. We did like basically like the temptations because uh, we're triplets. Oh sure. Yeah, so we're oh, triplets, sure. and like he, like it might not look it because we don't look alike, but yeah. yeah. But we have a third well, one as well. They got twins, and they don't a boy yeah. and girl. You know. <laughs> oh, that, oh, that's cool. See, yeah, exactly. Same thing. Same thing. Oh, that's so. actually one of um, one of the segments right right before I jumped into the Woodstock obsession. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right before I jumped into the Woodstock obsession, um, so it was nineteen ninety. Uh, I'm losing track. It was two thousand four, and. I had been in a band with um, a bunch of friends, but eventually, even though it was business successful, it started to get uncomfortable. I started getting into fights with uh, the, the drummer and the bass yeah, player. Yeah, really, was yeah. it like for like oh, personal, personal reasons? You just yeah. told me something that's so important about all the bands I'm in. Yeah, they all get along. They all his groups. They all get along. You know why? I I will not take. I'll let, if somebody gets mad, I'll let them blow their steam. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then I'll crack a joke, and everybody starts laughing, and yeah. then this guy, even you, <laughs> yeah, when you I know. get moody, yeah, I have to tell you, retro '69 has always been peace. But mm-hmm. to answer that question, I noticed this happened in my 20s and 30s, but it did stop later on. Even with good people, egos exist, and none of us are doing this as a living, but we are doing it as a passion. And what yeah. ends up happening is, when a band first starts out, people are just happy to get to play. They're happy just to get a band. Mm-hmm. But once it becomes successful, people get used to that. Mm-hmm. And it's not a matter of people getting greedy, but what happens is they start to focus on things that have to do more with the ego. Who's calling the shots? Who's picking the songs? Who's making decisions? Who's doing this? Mm-hmm. And what ends up happening is if you get, usually you're going to have two people of type A's and they just start to clash. Oh, and yeah. if unless you have a situation where you have built-in respect, which does happen, mm-hmm. you can end up pulling at each other and that will cause friction, which is what happened with me. Three different times I eventually had to leave the band that I started because a new person eventually started to resent me leading it and I'm not a dominant leader. I'm very um, democratic the way I do things. But on the third time that it happened, and this is how we get into Motown, it was in 1990, uh, 2004, my friend Gary, who was much older than I, but what he taught me was how you deal with this. Mm-hmm. He said, if you, you know, you don't say anything, but if somebody starts giving an attitude and you see it, you just don't call them back. You don't have to get into fights. You could control as a band leader not to bring toxic people in without fighting. Yeah. You just don't bring them in. And uh, he brought me into his band yeah. and he had this, his, the genre was Motown Stax. Stax was the competitor to oh, Motown. Yeah, I met him. But it's the same thing. We did era. a New Year's Eve with this guy, Stax. Mm-hmm. Stax you. was the record company from the 60s that did a lot a lot of things similar to Motown, but it was it was from Memphis, I believe. And, oh, okay, uh, okay. So we played a lot of that music, and what made his band special, Gary's band special, was that um, he had Earl Shelton, who at the time was already 68 years old. He had played tenor saxophone for The Temptations as a studio musician. Wow. And for Benny King. Obviously, he wasn't the main guy. He was the saxophone player in, in these house bands that played with these people. 
And he also played with a band which I never heard of called the, the Fatback Band, who were famous in the 70s as a sort of a funk disco group. And in that group, Earl Shelton was, was the main guy. Yeah. But he was... So think of, a, I don't know what your favorite sport is, but I will just imagine, take the Mets, just imagine everyone stinks except you got one guy who could really hit well and one good pitcher. So Earl Shelton was that pitcher and that good guy. And because of how good he was... Did he bring out the... the he brought out the best in us. Yeah. Okay. And we were able to... Uh, me as a good band leader, Gary is knowing every song. He Has can't. there ever been like times where you're in the band and you guys just don't have good chemistry? Like, yes. You guys don't be in tune with like how y'all playing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. you had to kick somebody out because of that? Uh, if, no, we don't, <laughs> we don't look to kick someone out. Okay. But we, we, did, we, did, we did have, even in retro, where we've always got along... Because we don't have much turnover in retro 69. We had a girl singer. Even in that situation where we've had harmony for a very long time, remember we're together ten years, and but even in that situation, we did get a situation where we brought in somebody new, and right away we started to see the friction. Yeah, and, and we saw the difference, and at and that ended point, it immediately. Immediately, we just we kept going without calling him in. Mm-hmm. Mm. Right. Okay. And you know that's the that's the only way to handle it. What happened also with a with a female singer also? Uh, she well, the female singer had an issue. Her issue was that she was in about two, fourteen bands and had really no time for anything and had an ego to go with it because she was in fourteen bands. Mm-hmm. But she's, you know, what it is to be um, okay with n- some with some things and a master of none. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she, <laughs> she wasn't the master of anything mm-hmm. and, and these are people I like personally they really I like them personally and uh, in fact I, I sent Bob a video of us playing yep because I, I discovered it was a video um, of, you know even though we're not bottom know. line this guy comes in he was excited to work with us and he said you, I'm, it's wonderful to work with a band that's established but then he started taking well this is what I want and the minute he said this is what I want the flags came up. Was, why are you doing so many free shows? You know, you did free. Why you keep doing this? And why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? And at that point, I saw the writing on the wall, and I said, you know, listen, we do a lot of those things for charity. Yeah. And this guy is definitely looking to see what's going in his pocket only. Yeah. And he's good, but he wasn't great, but he was good. And I said, no, we're not, we're not that way. And um, we didn't fight. But we, we just, right. we just uh, me and him, like after I said it on the phone, uh, you know, in his case, it wasn't passive aggressive. I said, yeah, unfortunately, when I just not going to work together. Yeah. Um, Did it diplomatically, yeah. I should say. I hear you. But, and, and the girl who was with us, we were having two girls sing us, but one of them is, uh, was just like her head was swelling. Mm-hmm. And uh, we stopped asking them to show up. And I also saw that it was marginalizing the other singer. Here's another point to bring up too. Sometimes you can, and this happens in sports, you, you could have, a, again, a couple of role players that are really good and then everyone else uh, are good team players but their skills are sort of mediocre but there's something special about the chemistry. And that's how we were with the vocals. We didn't start out with great vocals. Honestly, we never did. And, and we got complaints. Um, but we this, this group. And we didn't have Earl either, right? But we had a really, really tight rhythm section. I mean, the drums and the bass were really, mm-hmm. really, really tight. The guitar work was very good. My enthusiasm was really good. And at times, you know, my soloing was good. Sometimes it's but not. The thing is, we've got a jazz drummer playing rock and roll. But by sticking <laughs> together for 10 years and getting along with each other, we all got better. I'd like to think the Giants and Jets can do that or not. But but it's not <laughs> happening. Not. But we Maybe did get the better. Jets, but not the Jets. And, and now I have to say that because we stuck together, our vocals are definitely 
really growing to a much that's good you yeah, know. the chemistry is always amazing yeah. like the, the girl singer that we have in the band in, this, in our band uh, in the past I've observed her singing always singing a little sharp she she has a great memory she can remember all the words she was 27 years old and knew by heart these songs in the 60s yeah mm. so as opposed to other people sitting reading them she just knew she them she just knew them great stage presence her but her father was also a musician too and they're actually playing together. But when she started out, if she was singing Joan Baez, this really popular folk singer from Woodstock, she was on the money. Mm-hmm. If she was singing um, Jefferson Airplane, which again is one of the most well-known bands at Woodstock, she was really pretty pretty good. Jeff but then when Jeff. she was singing other stuff, initially uh, she was trying to sing men roles and other stuff and her voice would be pitchy. But over time... She got older. Her vocal cords got a little more relaxed and now she's Bullseye, bullseye, bullseye. And then we have the male singing, which to me, honestly, is like in baseball, was used to be like a 220 hitter that might one time get a, a hit, but it was never great. It wasn't horrible, but it wasn't great. And all of a sudden, our, the male, the guitar player, who I always thought is, uh, you know, I can't sing a word, so I can't complain. But but he's in, he, actually, he, no, he narrates everything. I do the narration. I, I do the narration. Our show at Woodstock, of Woodstock, mm-hmm. is of Woodstock is literally an information show. We do the songs from Woodstock, but he'll narrate what happened in the beginning, what happened in the middle, what happened at so, night, the mornings, and uh, we keep And going. I tell jokes. So let let me just like, just so that people like know, because they, they hear you guys, can you explain what, I guess, Retro 690s, Retro 690s you guys been? And so, Woodstock was 1969. Woodstock was 1969, so there's a connection, and... And I see that yeah, it's heavily like influenced and stuff like that. And so, what? Who? Whose idea was it? Like when you guys? So it, it was your idea, you said. Yeah. Okay. Remember, I was telling you. I'll try, I'll try to say it quickly because yeah. I, I can talk a storm up, and we'll be here till four in the morning, and you'll need another free this. <laughs> so, uh, so remember, I started working with Gary with the Motown mm-hmm. band. Yes. Well, Gary also liked songs from Woodstock, mm-hmm. but it was part of the package. It was not the main package at all. Mm-hmm. So we would do a few things. And all of a sudden, I noticed we were doing a lot. All of a sudden, in 2005, I got this idea. Let's do a tribute to Woodstock. We'll get all these people down. We'll only do Woodstock songs. Our band, this is what we do. Great, let's do it. And I imagined tons of people coming down and us playing this stuff. And we set it up at uh, the Blue Parrot, and everyone was excited. And ten people showed up. <laughs> actually, a little more than that. But it was before me, right? Yeah, before you. All right, that actually. And what year is this? This is two thousand five, and it was not for charity. It okay. was just for fun. Yeah. But it was for the love of Woodstock. Something mm-hmm. said to me, "That is something you love, right?" And even and that band started to play. This is before us. Okay, this is how it started. Retro Six and I started with Gary. I mean, it started with me and Gary's group, and then we started to focus on the music from Woodstock more and more and more. From that one thing. Mm-hmm. And then I got more and more obsessed about it. Um, I wanted to read up all the history about it and learn about all the different songs and stuff. And, and mm-hmm. um, Earl was with us mm-hmm. playing sax. And we had sax on Santana. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's also when we started the charity. Because the second time we got the bands together, we said, let's not just do this for no reason. Let's mm-hmm. let's do this to help the hurricane victims. And, oh, well, for that, also, you had the... The uh, was Long Island Building Association. Yeah, that was one of them that we had. That yeah, because what happened was, let's say um, somebody needs a ramp in there going up with a wheelchair for their home. Mm-hmm. We generate the monies 
to go make to have that ramp built for the person's home. Okay. Okay. But we do everything that we've been involved with. We get a sponsor, and we generate the money for the sponsor and the sponsor for the charity. Very good. For the charity. So, Very good. can you guys explain to uh, explain like how do you get sponsorships? Like how do you, how do, you do that? Mm-hmm. Ah. All right. So, I guess I'll give you the mechanics of how Retrofest works. Okay. Mm-hmm. So first, we come up with an idea. What uh, let's say we want to do two shows a year, right? What show do what show do we want to imitate? We've done Woodstock three times. We're bored with it. Let's do something else. So we pick something. Then I put out calls to the bands, you know, through social media. I originally, there was no Facebook. It used to be emails, but even not. Uh, and and you know, we're looking for bands to volunteer to do a tribute to the Watkins Glen show. So we want bands that could do the Grateful Dead, the band, and the Allman Brothers. We start getting all these calls. Well, you get no calls, depending on you know what, what's what's happened. Um, then I get in contact with charities that I've spoken to in the past that we want that are interested in doing an event. Mm-hmm. Um, the more the charity gets involved, the better the event is. Usually, usually, um, and band and, and I sort of have like a list, like Long Island Crisis Center, who help they have the suicide prevention lines. Um, we did Bobby and the Strays. Bobby and the Strays, a very, very wonderful now animal Salido shelter. Now and Barnes is sponsoring them. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're pretty big on their own. <laughs> did a lot, a lot of charities have to do with, with helping cancer victims. Yeah. A lot of that. And my mom, unfortunately, passed away from cancer. Sorry from to hear that. Like six months ago. We got oh, the chance oh, to sorry to hear that. We yeah. performed for her, his mother. Yeah, one, yeah, this was very meaningful. One very month. Meaningful. One month before she passed. Wow. And she was in a, the, the, she was in assisted living. Right. She was. Right. I, she she wasn't my, in the uh, Calvary. My friend from LIE band, my other band, joined us, and and we, and we did a show for that. And she and she was very, she came alive. She was smiling. My brother amazing. was there. That was good. Um, that that was a wonderful show. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, I almost did a show, which I didn't do, but because my mom passed away the day before the show, that when she went to Calvary. Hospice, you know, the first thing I did was, you know, once you settled in, I went downstairs to speak to the social director because I knew they had events. And he said, Look, set something up with the band because you don't know how long your mom's going to be here. It'd be very important. I got volunteers from Einstein where I work because we have a band there to, to learn some songs and to, to go. And this was during work hours, so it wasn't the regular musicians, it was just people volunteering. And we were practicing and practicing, and then my mom passed away two days later, so we never got to do it. Mm. That would have been the hardest concert of my life. Yeah. To play at at a hospice, when you know oh, you, yeah. you know your mom's dying and yeah. this is it. That's uh, I hear you. you know maybe God made it easier that I didn't have to do it, but that that would have been a show that would have been almost impossible. Mm. So, so just I just like I guess to go back a little bit, okay. I I just want to talk. I want to talk about so what was like your steps? I guess getting into the music industry because I want to talk about some of the stories you was telling us when I was at Duncan like well, what was yeah, can you talk about your steps in trying to get into the music industry the process I, I really didn't it, it was um, I, you have your network of friends and your friends had friends and when you're rehearsing with some then others came over I wound up being um, in a re- uh, rehearsal with a bunch of buddies in West Hempstead and uh, Mark uh, who was the uh, bass player for Twisted Sister? Oh, okay. At Twisted the time, Sister. came you know was and I jammed with him, and then we found that we had uh, similar motorcycles that we were riding. Oh, he okay. said, "Hey, come down over to Nino's studio in Baldwin." So we went down to Nino's, and um, 
I was, they're not around anymore, are they? No, the studio's long gone. And well, uh, they're from they're because they're from Long Island, too, like yeah, yeah, Snyder Grand, and Grand, yeah, yeah. Grand Avenue, Baldwin. Oh, they're from Baldwin. Oh, well, they're around. They're around. They're around. They're around. Baldwin and my West Hempstead. Okay, okay, and around okay. that area. I know. Yeah, I remember hearing something about D. Snyder being from Long Island. Yeah, down to all of the whole band. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Because they, you know, put it this way, and Joan Jett too. And Joan oh, Jett's yeah. from Long Island. She's from Joan House. Is on Mott Street in Rockville Center. And wow. that's where my parents lived. Okay, okay. And that, she went ahead one time when they drained the pool. She painted the bottom. The whole, the pool was in the shape of a heart. Mm. And she painted the bottom black. And, gained, and then, black you hearts. know, th- that was because you know, the sediment and everything always showed. But if you have black, you don't see the sediment. So she painted it black. And then when uh, she was at the at Nino's, she goes, you know, she was always wearing black. Oh, it's black hair, black lip, black lip. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she said uh, they, she came up with the name Blackheart. John Jett and the Blackhearts. Mm. So, okay. And, so, so you started. So you started playing with the bassist. That that eventually became the bassist of Twisted Sister. No, no, I, no, I know. Mark was the bassist of Twisted Sister. Me, I was w- with. Um, uh, what was it? Vinnie Riccadella and Brian Levinson and I had a band called Reptile. Reptile? Okay. Yeah, now th- we did all like fusion music. And, we and what set- is like fusion? Fusion is uh, music that doesn't have any... Words? No, it doesn't have any category. It has mm. no category. It's uniquely its own design. Okay. We sent it um, to Eric Gardner. He was the manager for Todd Rundgren. Uh-huh. Eric Gardner loved it, gave it to Todd. Todd loved it. Todd London? Yeah. So uh, we went up to Bears. Who, we were called up to Bearsville. Well, tell, him, tell him who wrong, Todd London. Yeah, like, was Todd he like a like head of a record company or something? No. Like well, actually, he was the first guy to experiment with CDs. CDs, yeah. okay. He's but better. he's a very well renowned musician. But he, he did um, he's a song called Hello, It's Me. He um, produced. Uh, Blinded by the Light that was written by Springsteen and done by um, Bruce Springsteen Matt the Hoople and um, and that was like that was you're going back in the mid 70s early actually early 70s and he was so anyway he was like 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 kind of like trying to help you guys no well I know he was interested in our music we Mm -hmm. went up there uh, in the summer well we it was a double function we got a job working with a friend uh, who was doing construction. He says, you want to make some money this summer? We're going, we're going to be building a house up near Bearsville. And Todd Rundgren is up in Bearsville. He says, do you have a place to stay? And they say, yeah, we can find a place to stay. So we, we were working on the house in the day and going to uh, Rundgren's place in the evening. And when it ended up happening, uh, we, we were moving along very slowly because when you're doing original fusion type stuff, you you got to break it apart and look at it and turn it into something that's sellable. Mm-hmm. So that's what he was doing because it was nobody else was coming up with it but us. What happened was some guy named Jim Steinman walked into um, Todd's place and Todd said, "Hey guys, let's listen to this uh, guy Jim Steinman." Jim Steinman he comes in. He has all these paperwork and everything. puts it down. puts it on a piano and. Starts playing the entire album, Bat Out of Hell. Mm. He wrote it. 
Okay, but, and who? Who's who? Meatloaf. Meatloaf. Oh, my mom loves Meatloaf. Okay, yeah. so and now anyway, bottom line, they didn't know who was going to do it. They didn't know. Todd Rundgren said. You could have been the Meatloaf band. No. <laughs> Todd Rundgren said, "I'm going to produce it," and um, Jim Steinman said, "That's why I'm here. I want you to produce it." Mm. So. Um, more or less, we us guys said, I guess we were on the back burner. Mm. So we wound up going home, but we did know that we had our foot in that door. Mm. Then I was in uh, studios, and um, they were uh, in a record plant, Manhattan. That's when um, I was heard uh, by Tommy Matola because I was working with some other band, and he was having a problem with um, Paul and Oates' bass player who was on drugs oh. and asked if I would uh, mind going on a tour, but I wouldn't be on a stage. I would be playing off stage. Really? Wow. The bass player was on heroin. He was fucking up. Wait, wait. So, so in other words, the, they kept that regular bass player on the stage? Yeah, because and that's you, what the audience wanted to see that face. Right. And so you, the face was there. And I'm doing all the music. Wow. Well, oh, so he, he yeah. is, his, his, the plug would not he's be like, yeah. Oh, wow. wow. That's that like lip syncing, except it's Yeah, mic. I was just about to say that. I was just thinking that. That's like, I that's no crazy. Idea. That's crazy. That's what I did first. Wow. You were the silent, whatever the word is. Well, for. put it this way. After the tour. He was the ghost player. Yeah. That's the word for it. You were the ghost player. Yeah, uh -huh. wow. Now, I, I had a lot of three things. I had a lot of sex, I had a lot of drugs, and I had a lot of rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> I had it all. And I was young. Remember, I'm young. I yeah, I, I hear you. And so what ended up happening at the end of that, I, my rationale came back to me at the end of the tour, and I left. I said goodbye. And I had a lot of money. Matola gave us all a lot of money. I went to CW Post. I paid $110 a credit. With that money. <laughs> mm -hmm. No, how much is Post today? About 1500 a credit? Mm -hmm. I can't even remember. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's up there. But I got my BA in Communication Fines Arts, and I had two members of the Isley Brothers were in my classes. Okay, mm -hmm. okay. So, oh, yeah, I remember you did tell me that. You did so, tell me that. And uh, it was really cool. You know, basically, though, everybody had our... We were in our own worlds and all, but we did mm -hmm. acknowledge each other and everything. So... So that was like after that experience, you was like, did, you I didn't want to really want to be in in that the industry anymore. Um, I focused on college. Focused on school. I wound up working WCWP eighty eight one FM on your radio. <laughs> is that the, is that located um, right off? on grounds of CW Park? And, and that's near. Is that what's Northern Boulevard right near one hundred six? It's right near in Old West. C right near. Oh, the wait, CW. That, CW that's right next to Old West. Northern Boulevard. Yes. Yeah. Okay. 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 And if it's on, okay. I used to work over there. So, okay. I used to work at Banfield anyway, Winery, which was right. So basically, oh, okay, okay. anytime I ever want to go in there and there's no parking, I go to the guard. WCWP. Let's me go through. Hey, get us you a show there. No, well, actually, I'll <laughs> tell you something. I was there at the when the dome before the Tilly Center was built. There was a CLB Post dome. It was famous. So anyway, what happened with the dome was that Bill Moser was the engineer with a license at WCWP. He also was the engineer at WABC AM Radio, mm -hmm. and he was running the WCWP as an AM format. I said, "Why don't we go to FM format?" He says, you, you have a second line here. You, you, you could run your, ma your main power source and you have your secondary power source. Mm -hmm. He says, but I don't have any of the equipment. I got the equipment. I'll bring my equipment in. I'll set it up. I ran a 100-foot snake from the dome stage 
which goes right into the radio station, into the conference room. And I have yeah. microphones, like what we have here, around Stereo. the big table. So the band does for like a 45-minute set, and mm -hmm. then comes in, sits down, talks about the tour, and then they go back out again. Okay. Mm. So, and I, I designed it, and um, the ratings for WCLVP went through the roof. Okay. I had, I had Jefferson Starship. I had... Uh, you Meryl, got to interview them. Meryl Saunders with Jerry Garcia. I had a lot of uh, famous names. I had the Renaissance. What, Fleetwood what, Mac. what years? This is like early 70s or late 70s? Uh, late 70s. 78. So, I graduated post in the 80. So, it was... Oh, okay, okay. And so, I, my... Yeah, okay. Um, oh, it's okay. It's no, okay. I, I can think of the most important thing I ever did in my life. Oh, okay. Oh, and that that was... The Broadway... That was the Broadway shows. Oh, you did shows. Broadway shows? Wow. Two. Two which, what shows? Uh, Midsummer Night's Dream and Operetta by Shakespeare. You played oh. bass on the Broadway shows? In no, the no, no. I did more than that. Yeah. At CW Post, I had my thesis to write. I didn't have to write it. I had to perform it. I arranged orchestra, lighting, sound, uh -huh. uh, the artist, the stage crews, everything. The outdoor shows... Um, of the, each of the of the operetta and Midsummer Night's Dream, and it, they laid, laid out fifteen hundred seats, uh, outdoors at CW Post, and I put the shows on. I had everybody who was stationed for who was in charge of each scenery, in mm -hmm. charge of this, all around me. And in my job, in the end, I says, "Everyone ready? Yeah, I'm going to click this, and we we're on." I clicked it. It went on 45 minutes, tw uh, 20 minute break, 45 more minutes, and then, then I went to I went to click it off, and they was, they started applauding, mm. and it, the applauding went on for almost 10 minutes. It's mm. amazing. I went. So it must have been a hell of a film. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the grade was ex instead of A, I had an E plus. E plus, <laughs> excellent plus, excellent plus. That's amazing. Two times. You know, I'm trying. I got six credits on that. So, can you can you give us some stories like about some like other famous because you know you uh, other famous figures you met? Because I remember you told me. Oh yeah, you, I you was at the record like, plan. In the record plan, our tenth floor was John Lennon, and I was with Mark Farmer. He was the, the guitar. He was the lead vocal for Grand Funk Railroad. He was doing recordings on the fourth floor. And I was in that studio with him, and Lennon came down, like, I'm sitting with you. Oh, years Lennon said that. Had to be... Um, Late 70s? Yeah. Oh, okay, so it was way before he died. When did yeah. he When did okay. he die? 81? Like, yeah, uh, like in the yeah. 80s. I know definitely in the 80s, yeah. yes. But anyway, bottom line was Lennon comes yeah, down, sits like down, and he, he is such a laid-back, normal person. He really was a... He was, like, how we are talking... That's how it's sort of, we would talk with him. He enjoyed what we were listening to with Mark Farmer. Um, uh, he did that song, I'm Getting Closer to My Home. Oh, what's, what song was that? That is okay. Grand Funk. Right See, right. that's where my mental abilities fall short <laughs> as I get older. And as I get older, it, it's, I'm like a, my brain is like a very bad 1995 search engine. 
<laughs> Eventually, you know, the what I'm trying to think oh, yeah. come well, up. That, but, I hear you. I hear you. It happens. I don't happen to all of us. Yeah, yeah. Now the other thing I did was uh, um, like, can you talk about with like with Jimmy Hendrix? I remember you telling me you. Was, I was at um, yeah, with Jimmy Hendrix. Oh uh, well, they had um, what's the two studios? Uh, Electric Land. No, 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 no. Not Electric Land. There were two music stores. Oh, yes. It was Manny's. Manny's? Yes. Sam Ash on one side of the street, Manny's across. Right. I was Where is this? Where is this? Manny's. 48th Street? Yes. Broadway? Sam and Ash is right across okay. the street. Are they all okay. in business now? Uh, Sam Ash isn't. Yes. Manny's is. Yeah. I've heard of Sam. I've never heard of Manny's either. Well, the, anyway. It was music. So it happened. Like, I, was in, music I went into Manny's, and Hendrix was there. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really know him, but when I shook his hand, his, his fingers wrapped all the way around. Yeah, his fingers <laughs> were guy. about this long. Yeah. And he put his hand on it. Oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, wow. He was so like laid back. Everyone who is really brilliant knows that they're, they, they, they're so deep in their love of what they're doing that they emanate that out. Mm. When you meet. You think you, <gasps> you might run into a star that you know, right? Uh-huh. And all of it. But you know something? Today... The stars are ass, more like assholes because everybody wants to sue everyone. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. a fact. That is true. That's Back amazing. then, nobody sued anyone. Mm-hmm. And the therefore, love was coming out. Unless of you didn't get paid for a gig. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Well, now two of my bands got lawyers in them. So. Mm. <laughs> and I remember you was telling me, and I want to hear. I definitely want to hear this one because. This is who I was named after. Like, can you tell me about Miles Davis? Like, you said you met yeah, him. Yeah, they were in the same studio. On oh, the same studio? Okay. Yeah, right. Okay. That was, it was uh, Miles Stewart and um, what? My, he was playing. Oh, what was the bass? Oh, he's watching him play? He was watching no, him play? No, no, no. I got to play with Stanley Clark. Who's Stanley Clark? <laughs> Very famous. <laughs> Very famous. Or brilliant bass player. Look him up. Okay. Stanley. Yeah, I gotta look a lot of these people up. Definitely. Fusion yeah. jazz. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and yeah, well, right. Stanley and I played bass. He played bass. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot from him. Mm-hmm. And he played with Miles. Mm-hmm. And I got to sit in and play with Miles too. Mm-hmm. You played with Miles? Wow. In the in the record plant. The it was only one time. Wow. But one time, but it was just. Shit, that's legendary. Shit. Well, that's legendary. It's legendary, but you know something. It's a, to me, it was all absorbing into everything mm-hmm. I've ever done in my life. Mm-hmm. I don't talk about a lot of what I've done in my life because I have to care about where I am today. I hear you. I definitely hear you. You're asking me to reach into areas that I've never really talked about. No, I had no idea you did this stuff. I, have, I just I knew we played with the whole else, but yeah, uh, well, that's well, like that's legendary stuff. Like that, it, it's because like when you was telling me this, I was blown away. Cause I'm like, like you just like I don't know, it was just random the way like you just walked in. I forgot you just ordered your coffee, and then I don't even know. I can't even remember was, how we just ordered, started talking. His ice cream, and I was talking about the. the so flavors. you started the talk. Oh, yeah, you started, started the conversation. Yeah, I started talking about okay. the flavors of the ice cream, and then I will tell you one thing. I love the life I lived. If I had to change it over, I never would. I only one thing in my life. I wonder where I'd be today if I had done what Leroy Goldstein asked me to do. Who and who's that? Before there was Sony. 
There was Columbia Records. Yeah, for, of course, I've heard of Columbia Records. Leroy Goldstein was the chairman of Columbia Records. Okay. I sent him a tape that I made of me at uh, WCWP. <laughs> Not at WCWP, of a whole bunch of shit that was in my head. He called me up. He went, uh, Ellie Levy, uh, I'd like you to come into Columbia, uh, you know, 57th Street, whatever it was. I'd like to... Um, Sit down and talk with you. What's your name, Leroy? Uh, who should I ask for when I get there? Leroy Goldstein? Yeah. I saw Leroy go. I go up. I, I They take me to his front door. Chairman. I walk in. Call me Roy! <laughs> that kind of thing. I, yeah. I said, so I'm sitting down with him. And he he loved what I did. And he talked to me about me and everything. And uh where my head was at, and he was observing. I don't know how he was observed, but he was listening. Uh -huh. And then he asked me to come back next Sunday. Mm -hmm. I spent two Sundays with him. And then if the Sunday goes, at second Sunday, he said, I'm putting you into my production. You are the youngest, freshest mind as a producer. Mm -hmm. You are going to be able to help this company. Uh -huh. Wow. And I went, wow. But then I get a phone call a week later. He said, "I would you mind going out west for three or four years? I said, why? Well, we have a union problem. There's about 15 guys that have been waiting for about 15 years for the job I want to give you. Wow. And they're, they're going to go on strike if I give it to you. Wow. He says, hey, but you're the chairman. <laughs> he said, it doesn't matter. Union's the union. So he you offer your job out west? Yeah, but in the meanwhile... I didn't even know those unions for record companies yeah, and I stuff like that. that. Yeah, yeah, of course they're wrong. But the other thing is, um, I was working in Nino's studio with Twisted Sister, John, John Jett, and Good, Good. They weren't famous at the time. They were just getting their acting. Twisted Sister was playing Hammerheads and Speaks. Right. Those, those places were around when I was... And they really were raunchy. <laughs> they, they were never really good. <laughs> Ever, you know, the Me. studio made them fair, but you know something, it's all, it's all an act for them. They, you know, mm -hmm. whatever they did, it was total act. Joan Jett too. It's you know, they're raunchy, but it just so happens they fell into a, a good promotional thing with it, and they pushed their original stuff. And um, like you know, put it this way, I got to sit in on a re uh, rehearsal with. Um, uh, Gene Simmons band. Oh, Kiss? Yeah. Okay, well, that's but crazy. They, they were awful. <laughs> <laughs> they were really awful. I mean, I, I could, you know, that'd be like, they, they're one, three, four chords. Bomb, 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 bomb. I love it, but, you know, right. It worked for Kiss, but it, yeah. it didn't work well, for Well, actually, Kiss made all their money in Japan. Really? Japan loved Kiss. Yeah, I want to go to Japan so bad. But yeah. there's so much money in Japan. But you know, put it this way: a piece of sushi mm -hmm. in Japan, thirty dollars a slice. Yeah. I think you I'm, want an apartment. Mm -hmm. I think one I'll room apartment is five thousand a month. What? Yeah. In Japan. Look man. it up. That's crazy. And like this will be an American money. It'll be like yeah. five. That is ridiculous. People, people stay in micro hotels they have the no, size of the couch. They have mm -hmm. no room, mm -hmm. and they have uh, millions of people with no room. So, yeah, so you, you, your hotel is the size of the couch, basically. Wow. That's crazy. Your hotel? So, a hotel room is very small. That's so everything. Is there, is there any 
Is there any like crazy like that you feel comfortable talking about? Any like crazy wild story, like of <laughs> like tra- <laughs> there are. There are. <laughs> I'm sure there are. I want like I want to. Can you I tell want... us like a crazy wild story from like and 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 like in your heyday, like being like around like you know in the music, like kind of being in the industry, anything like what's like the one of like the most memorable things that come to the top of your head. I think it was. No, story. I, 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 I got one. All right, I got right, one. Right, right. So yeah, yeah. So so um, uh, in 2010, uh, I saw an ad for somehow I, I discovered that at the original site of Woodstock they were doing these festivals, and uh, some I, I saw actually a, a Facebook post that was between um, what's the name from from Country Joe and the Fish. Uh, oh, Country Joe and the Fish. Yeah, Joe McDonald. Was Joe McDonald yeah, was talking going, Geico commercial going up to the country? That's not Country Joe. That's oh, Can't Heat. Can't but but oh. same error. Anyway, it somehow I found out about this festival and somehow got my band Retro Sixty Nine. This was before your time mm-hmm. onto this festival, and uh, it, it had stopped for a while. And because it was starting out again, it wasn't inundated with bands yet, like it had been earlier. Because yeah, this festival was on the real Woodstock site, but it was more grassrootsy. Um. So we, we went up, and we got to play quite a quite a bit. And somehow, before even it started, it was like after, it was Friday afternoon, all of a sudden, the producer of the show comes running up. Uh, we need musicians because Greg Allman's son, uh, uh, Greg Allman's younger, uh, oldest son is playing. Michael Allman, could anyone play Allman Brothers music? Now, Allman Brothers were very famous in the 70s and 80s. Uh, classic southern rock and we love that stuff and mm-hmm. wow this guy's great he ended up looking just like Greg Allman he looked just like him sounded like him but of course our band wasn't there and we don't play the Allman Brothers only a few songs so I went around scrounging people oh, could you do this could you do that we ended up and, and it's on video you know it's actually if you do a, a search Michael Allman um, Retro 69 you'll see it so playing that that was great also playing with strangers backing up someone who's basically you know like Greg Allman Mm-hmm. That was uh, a very memorable opinion. I hear you. That, that that's great. I gotta it. I gotta hear. It. I gotta. I gotta look. Up. I gotta do my research with no, somebody. Definitely like, yeah, definitely. Like, yeah, you'll see it. Mm-hmm. You'll see it. Mm-hmm. I have to do my research with like yeah, because a lot of these names is like people like Omen Brothers. I, I never like I never really. These are the first time I'm hearing. Yeah, it's one of the most southern famous stuff. southern rock groups. Oh, and yeah, again, yeah. this is his son, but he mm-hmm. really is a knockoff. Of um, he has his own band that's more modern that sounds just like Greg Allman, but uh, that that to me was um, and that whole weekend was magical because because there weren't so many people there, mm-hmm. we our band got to be the closing act on Saturday. We got to play on you know, and then I got to play with a Grateful Dead tribute band mm-hmm. as well. Uh, <laughs> I won't. I got a little sick that night, uh, and I did have two episodes of at the actually at the Woodstock location just. Certain people shouldn't have certain things. Let's put it that way. Not everyone can handle their alcohol or mm-hmm. other or things. Weed. <laughs> so these kids were selling these cookies and you know thinking, ah, you got, you got so oh, yeah, some edibles. Edibles. <laughs> so I had the cookies, okay, and this was on an empty stomach. Yeah. Right? Oh, oh, that's you bad. Don't yeah. do that. This was on an empty, more or less. Yeah. So I have these cookies, okay. This was after we played the first. This is 2010. Mm-hmm. Nothing happens. So the the girls I were with go and they have more, and again nothing happened to them. So I'll get um, yeah, two more. Hours. Stupid me has two more. Well, that's all it took. Yeah, it took two. It all of a sudden, I started ahead. getting very affected by mm-hmm. it. Meanwhile, no one believes me. I'm with the band. We're walking around now as as customers because we ready to play. 
and I'm losing my brain. And I'm like, ah, and no one, everyone thinks I'm like kidding around and it's just very, very bad. So Melissa's holding my hand the whole time because I'm like brain dead as I'm walking around. <laughs> but finally, I did know that every 10 seconds, every 20 seconds, I would get a little brain power back. Yeah. And I went on the stage and I says, you know the brown ass you're not supposed to have? Well, <laughs> I had the brown cookies. Is there a nurse in the house? Anyway, uh, I spent the rest of the night listening to the bands in the tents. Mm -hmm. And um, that also very memorable. That's a, yeah, that's a crazy trip right there. That that's crazy. So what about you? Like, like that, like, my, my, yeah, what is like my the most memorable thing from back in the, the day? The right? only thing I really remember is being in the ready room. I told you about it with um, tuning up with John. Uh, Lennon? Oates. John, John Oates. Hold Oats. From Holland Oats, okay, okay. It was one of the last things we were playing in Chicago. It was at a stadium. It was in Chicago. Okay. And, um, were you on the stage this time? No. You still... No, no, no. I was not on the stage at all. I was off stage. Anyway, what happened was tuning up with him, and Daryl's sitting over on the side, and I'm facing John, the assistant road manager. Tall girl, lady who was screaming at everyone, you're supposed to be here before the show. You're supposed to be there. And the door was open, and we hear her coming down the hall. You and John. Yeah, uh, yeah and John looks, uh, looks, I look up at John, and John looks at me and goes, uh-oh. <laughs> what is it? And we then we hear her. And, uh, you know, I'm, oh, I'm shit. And, and Daryl jumps between us and snaps his fingers and starts going, oh, here she comes. Watch out, boy, wow. she'll shoot you up. Wow, so that was what that was why that was with so about the assistant started. road manager. The wow, whole that's a story right there. <laughs> so man eater wow. is based on the man. It's not an ex girlfriend. It's the it's the road manager. Well, but they it, might they probably kind of inspire. It, yeah, inspired. Maybe, yeah, maybe that that she was moment generated <laughs> probably one moment generated forty million dollars. That's wow. crazy. You and you witnessed that. that he wrote crazy. it. He, he he wrote the piece. Yeah. He made it up right there. Yeah. Wow. Wow. You should That's get a crazy. cut. No. <laughs> <laughs> All I said was, uh-oh. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right. So, so now. for a royalty steal. So now let's, let's talk about, so how do you, so fast forward, you know, you're, so you, you go to the, school. I'm out of the music business. Out of the music now. business. Like, then when I finished school, I sent a thing to Leroy Goldstein, but I was working at Nino Studios and then Rockwell Center I was working in a place called JB Studios. And so between both studios, I had multi-recording equipment for pre-production. For eight-track units and twin four-track units. So mm -hmm. I had, everybody was using everything when I was here. And if I wasn't there, they were sometimes using it without me. Do you know how to, like, engineer and stuff like that? Uh, yeah, I used okay. to do it. Okay, okay. 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 All right, and, but it was all analog. Oh, yeah. No such thing as digital. What, what, what is analog? What is that? Like Analog. I, 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 like, the digital takes an analog signal and digitalizes it so you can put it in there. You can't take a uh, regular microphone and plug it into it. It won't, won't decipher. Those mics there are all analog. Okay. The PA system is analog that you see there. Mm. And But I can do a lot. I'm assuming with, it's like waves, right? Yes. Yeah, it's, it's either waves or, or the waves are broken up into zeros and ones. If you remember your basic... Uh, concept of um, transmission of uh, anything digital it's all based on zeros ones and zeros and ones mm -hmm. and so forth but when analog it's just a wave and that is the sound that comes oh, out okay, okay. And there are people that prefer the sound of analog yeah mm -hmm. and prefer the sound of 
By the way, you know, uh, some people do like records. And uh, I lost most of my records in Hurricane Sandy, but I've been oh. buying them back. So for 60 bucks, I got one of these retro-style record players. Well, yeah. I have one of those. Oh, yeah, they sell record players at um, Urban Outfitters. And I got a Technics. Yeah, right. I got, I've been and they're not expensive. And the truth is, even... I got one for 60 bucks. Now, it does look like cheap plastic. But the truth is, it doesn't sound bad at all. Uh, my son, I gave him my you know, record player from like when I, in the 1980s. But I, I got the cheap knockoff. Mm-hmm. And I'm playing these great records on the thing. So, I, the company, records are back. Company, you know, no, oh, they're definitely coming back. Like people are collecting them now. And, they're making records know, they, for even the Even like for like the latest right. stuff. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, the latest yeah. stuff's coming out on records. Yeah. But, but you know... I mean, history repeats itself. Right. Everything is going to repeat itself. I don't think we get any eight tracks, though. Well, <laughs> I will tell you this. My father, I gave him my thorn. I Thorns was in uh, Gardens. Thorns. Thorns Turntable. Oh, it sounded like something else. I'm glad. Thorns, thorns. thorns Turntable is in the um, is in the archives of, the, of uh, what do you call it? Smithsonian. Oh. I have it. Oh wow! I gave it to my father. He just passed away. Mm. Oh, sorry. Yeah, my mom is. Matter of fact, this hundred years old. My mother's gonna be a hundred. No, just turned a hundred. That's a blessing. That's a blessing. My father died in '96. Oh, they live. They live long. Yeah, live long. They live. There's a reason this man looks so young. (laughs) The reason why he has all his hair. As old as hair. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'm only sixty-six. I'm only sixty-seven. So it's good. Who would think sixty-seven would be this young? Definitely, yeah. definitely. But you know what it is? My mother taught me a lot because she's a hundred and taking it gracefully. Wow, that's amazing. amazing. That is a blessing. I definitely want to, definitely want to live that long. Definitely, yeah, and beyond. And like so, so like um, is, when so when did you guys meet? When did you guys meet? Because you said nineteen ninety seven. You guys met? No, no. You, oh, so, but in nineteen ninety seven, he doesn't remember this, but I do. I was desperately looking for gigs. I was very aggressive trying to get gigs. Mm-hmm. And I was still working with... Uh, I had, mo- uh, had moved into Long Island. And I was working with Gary at the time. Mm-hmm. That's actually before Gary. And I, so I went to a place in Valley Stream. Mm-hmm. Turns out he is running a jam session mm. with LIE. And there he is at the place, smiling like this. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, yeah. I loved playing. Yeah. There, yeah. there he was smile. with his bass playing like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, so Larry let me play the that keyboard. Was Rockville Center or no. Rockville? Valley Stream. Valley Stream. Oh, that Rockaway Avenue. Rockaway Avenue. It was an Italian restaurant. Yep. And he was just like, and I didn't see him again for a while. But ended up happening is later on, my band started to a little bit transition and change, and Gary ended up leaving, and then we uh, got le- less on guitar. It would usually someone from Retrofest from another band would join my band, mm-hmm. and then we needed a bass player. So Les, who played with him in the project, brought him yep. in. I don't even know when that was, but it was a long, yeah. long time ago. You remember when that was? And Les was going out with Melissa. But yeah, eventually, right, eventually Les and Melissa started dating each other. Mm-hmm. And, and now they're both married to different people. They're both married to different people. <laughs> you know, and to their credit, you never would have known they were dating. They were so good about it. A lot of times they say, don't mix Well, one time Melissa with, said, yeah, one time Melissa said yeah. to me, very good. You would, my big squeeze, so. Someone but, told me that. Yeah, I mean, I knew they were, but uh, they were very professional about it. You never felt like there was an inside circle that you weren't part of, mm-hmm. and uh, great band members. Mm-hmm. So, all right, so you guys meet, and like shortly after, so talk about, I guess, talk about, like, I guess, yeah, how uh, Retro Six Night and, and Retro Fest, talk about that. 
Ah, ret, ret, so, there you go, kid. Ah, ret, Retrofest. So Retrofest, again, is the charity arm, the, the multiple band stuff. Mm-hmm. So again, it, it started out just as sorry. It started out. <laughs> thanks, Mike. It started out at a whim. Let's just do Woodstock, right? Second time, let's do something else, and let's try to have a charity bucket. No big deal. But by the third time, all right, the third time was let's seriously get a good venue behind this. Let's get a good charity behind this, mm-hmm. and um, you know we'll we'll expand it to different types of music festivals, not just Woodstock, but some other other stuff that mm-hmm. would occur. And a place called the Sunset Grill, which at the time was a very popular place for classic rock. Uh, in um, It's still there. It's still there, Seaford. Seaford, okay. But you had to bring a lot of people to play there. But mm-hmm. because this was a special event, the owner was very interested and very much liked it. Mm-hmm. The owner also, turned out wasn't the manager, uh, also was very connected to these musicians like he is. Mm-hmm. He had played with them in the 60s and 70s, so he was happy to have us play his type of music there. So it's the Retro's Fest 3 and 4, it started to peak to the point where we started to get 200, 250 people down to the event. Charity was making a lot, a lot of money. And remember, this is, we were not, we didn't have a professional backline. We didn't have a professional sound system. It was Gary and Leslie, my band, okay, acting as the house band with our equipment, me running around like, I don't want to say check with no head, I, I hate cliches, but basically trying to get, at the time, uh, I didn't do two stages, but like, Eight bands to go on one after the other, get them off the stage, on the stage, not have delays. Now imagine what happens when band number seven is going on an hour and a half later at 1.30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. People get upset. Yeah. So then you had to make sure you, you soothe people and, and you, you, you know, you, then you promise them a better slot. And, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, when, you, when these events start, you become, you're like on speed and it's, it's just, uh, you live for it going through all this great music for a good cause and just working with people and um, and then and take you meet some incredible musicians too we met all these different now here's something else too okay we consider ourselves grassroots so the bands that we attracted uh, were not the ones that were playing in the real big venues that could live off of their bands these were generally bands who played really good music and our kinds of stuff but they weren't famous groups and they weren't um Bands that were playing at Malibu or whatever else. Well, we like did that. have. I, we, I did bring in a couple of people, Alan Parsons people. But from occasionally, on occasion though, we would get celebrities, musicians who played in the past, like the keyboard player from Alan Parsons. Remember that you brought Jeffrey, in? right? And um, I got um, I got a few people from Woodstock that came down mm. that were interested. The a guy that played with Bert Summer, he was the second band that played, mm. second or third, the third act. So Ira Stone, he played at our event twice. Mm. And I got to sit in with him on organ. So for me, that so I'm you know me I'm, I'm playing the organ that was you done on the feel good when that wow that was that was great. And then David Bennett Cohen, who played with Country Joe and the Fish and others, he played with us. And he's a really good keyboard player. So he was nice. He let me play organ, and then he just totally kicked ass on the piano. But he also played organ. But he he kind of like let me do my parts. I had something to do. Mm-hmm. And that was fun. All of a sudden, you're on the phone with these big people. One particular show was Retrofest 21 in the city. For, it was done for the Kansas City, uh, Maxwell Kansas City Foundation, which had been founded by the owner of a very famous bar where a lot of the punk scene started. But it was a very, very good charity. Um, we did it in a very nice venue, and we had a lot of these, you know, semi-famous people that, that had been different, that had been at Woodstock or other things. Unfortunately, the PR didn't go out well enough, and, you know, we had 50 musicians and maybe 50 people. 
So we just didn't raise that much money. Mm. We just made very good music. And Shelly Sunstein from 1043 was the was the host. She was the and we have that on you know video and audio. You know, our whole thing is uh, no matter what we did with these things, the concept of the proper way of promoting it mm -hmm. wasn't available to us. Yeah, mm. yeah. And if it was, these things would have been a home run. Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we were we were using stuff, Facebook yeah. and other stuff at a time. It was really it was quickly getting saturated. Mm -hmm. But times have changed now, so you know. Yeah, I'm no, telling him to go back to it now. I, I love it. it. It did burn out. I mean, how do you know it's burning out? Well, you know it's burning out where when you're first doing the first ten, you're getting all these bands calling you mm -hmm. and you're getting a, a good variety. But by the time you're up to number thirty-five to forty, it's the same groups again. They're very sweet people. But when it's the same five or six groups coming and playing it, you don't get the crowds, you don't get the variety of the music. Mm -hmm. And at a certain point, what really, I, I not, don't mean to talk negative, but running a bar is a tough business. Yeah, this is their livelihood. And while I don't like attitudes, I can understand why when they don't make money, they get upset. So what, what ruined it for me, it was a place that, um, and not forever, but what ruined it for me for a while was, it was a place I'd, I'd done maybe 15 shows at. And, um, and uh, I loved playing there. And, and the guy was always gracious and always gave us a date a year ahead of time. We did our event. We had a lot of people down. And what we always do is we give one drink to each musician. All right, so I had three. But everyone else had one. <laughs> All right? We don't get paid. And then the owner, you know, spoke to me. He goes, what's with the drinks? You know? And I, and I said, well, you know, uh, we always had that. He goes, well, you know, I, I kind of lost money. And I go, you lost money? With 200 people that were down there? And I realized that if that's what we have to worry about, I can't be in this. This I, I can't be putting my effort into something where I have to worry that at a charity event, my two hundred people who are in their fifties and sixties and forties aren't drinking enough. That's not a business I'm going to win. Mm -hmm. And it just took the steam out of out of it for a while. But I'm itching to do it again. I'm itching to 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 start recruiting and and but get. Just, I would say focus on on the PR. Mm -hmm, the, the PR and and also hooking up with a charity that that. Could help and get involved. Well, right now, and, let draw, me tell you, and, and and draw people down. Let me tell you what I think. Will Bands happen. alone are not going to do it because Listen, it's just too many events. The animal rescue thing is getting bigger now. That Salino and Barnes is along with Bobby and the Strays. I guarantee, if you if you hooked up with the Bobby and the Strays thing again, knowing that it's all over television, Bobby and the Strays now. The, the commercials everywhere, Salino. But we could leverage their PR. That's there. We did few for them. We actually had a very good time, and and we did decent. Could, do, we'll do a lot more now, yeah. because the PR is already in place. It's good to know. So, so I get. Uh, and so I like the little dogs too. <laughs> so yeah, my cats. What I also want to know is um. Like you guys have experienced life and like whatnot. Like, what's kind of like some life advice you could give to yeah to us, to us to and us the younger generation? Yeah. Oh well, okay. you do you want to start? Yeah, right. I would say, um, when when you're running into a crisis of any type, like nobody can explain what type of crisis you'll have, that you take a step back because your emotions would might want to bring you. Oh no. You have a brain. You think around your crisis, and uh, it'll keep you young. Mm -hmm. And if you this, you're talking about wanting to be grow old and graceful. Yes. It it also it builds a stamina. So, I've had it, situations where someone had ripped me off a lot of money, 
one time. And you know what I said after that? He says, well, I'm going to go forward. I'm not going to bother him. He tried to bother me afterward, and I, I just pushed him pushed him aside. Mm -hmm. I said, I, I don't need to talk to him. I know this guy is going to, everything in life goes full circle. So what he's done to me, someone's going to do ten times to him. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to know about it. I, but everything, I'm still happy inside. I was mad for the moment, but I was able to put this over my emotion. Mm. And that's, I would, I'd recommend for you, both of you guys, mm. whatever you do, because in life, it's going to happen frequently. And the more you learn from people, you learn that... Um, there are people who give you their heart, uh -huh. and there's people who want to take your heart from you. Yeah. And um, I find that to be the most important thing in any endeavor you go into in life. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think my mother has taught me a lot because here she is, I'm taking it gracefully. Yeah. And my father, the other thing was that my father worked until the day. He died. Really? My, my, he worked in the office. My sister took him to lunch. He came out of lunch. His last words were, catch me, I'm falling. Wow. So he passed away on a work day? On, on a Monday, yeah. Wow. So anyway, my father-in-law, he built a multi-billion, million-dollar business. My father on Lawson. Got, yeah, Lawson Boulevard, doing a million a week in sales. So he turns around. He sold the business in 2003. He became bitter. He became so bitter that his cancer returned. Mm. Yeah, that is... Uh, and he suffered the last two, three years of his life. Your yeah, father-in-law. Yeah. It's crazy. So my father-in-law and my father were two very successful people. And my father lived ten years past my father-in-law. Because he just didn't stop. He didn't want to stop. Didn't stop working. Didn't mm -hmm. stop being busy. Yeah, that, that's definitely advice. That definitely is advice. Uh, and I always say, when I retire, what am I going to do? I'm going to get a farm. I'm going to do computer consulting at night so I can pay the bills. You want to buy Asker's farm? I want to have uh, <laughs> raise Russian blue cats and then have like a petting zoo and then have concerts. But so different advices. Number one is uh, always keep a passion that makes you happy. Uh -huh. I've been married 25 years, 20 years, and my wife's always been very supportive of me having the music. That's good. I mean. Don't make the music more important than your family. As you know, my but wife makes me lets me do everything yeah. here. Mm -hmm. And she's sleeping in she's the other room. That's right. She comes out sometimes during the show. You find a balance, but keep always give yourself the time for the passion. You know that that's the number two is always have good friends, be with people. So when the shit hits the fan, you know you're not alone. Mm. That that's definitely very very. I hear that. I definitely hear very that. true. And so, any uh, like um, financial advice or business advice? Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, marriage advice. Put ten percent of whatever you make away. Ten percent of whatever you make away. Okay. Don't even think about it. For every dollar, ten cents away will give you uh, money when you need it. Period. Mm. Okay. I, hear I know. Of course, the living is. It kills everyone ah, these days. Yeah, I do. I do have marriage advice. Just uh, mm -hmm. this is very generic. That you that you can um you can marry the most wonderful person in the world that you're in fact you are with and very attracted to. And human nature is just that as time goes on, uh, you get used to people. Yeah. 
and it's more than that. The nature, and we're talking about a good relationship, not a bad relationship. Okay. But even with the most gorgeous person who you had a, a really uh, exciting time with, um, as you get married, and you start, you become like business partners, you become like siblings, you become like friends. You, it's all very, very good. But be, if that takes up a lot of your mental energy and a lot of your regular energy, let's face it, you're coming home late from work, but you have all these things to worry about, mm-hmm. and it, your relationship ends up being more and more like that, and, and less and less like, um, you know, romantic. Yeah. Now, the key with that is don't blame yourself if you feel that way because you're not evil. And don't blame yourself if all of a sudden you feel excited by these other girls walking around. But understand that's not because your wife is bad and that's not because you fell in love with these other girls. It's human nature. Mm -hmm. And at that point, you teach yourself, how can I get the excitement back with my spouse? Mm -hmm. So, like, I know myself. When I see myself with my female friends at school Mm -hmm. and I want to be friendly and all that stuff, not in a bad way. I said, well, how do I bring that energy into my relationship? You know, you teach yourself not to think of your spouse as your business partner, that because that's all you do. But you start to remember how it was. Yeah. To. And not don't make don't feel bad that you have that conflict, mm-hmm. but you do, you, but use it for a good thing. I, I I've heard like by multiple like older gentlemen that I work with, don't stop dating your wife. It's, that's exactly that. That's right. That's, that's, right. that's exactly. That's, that's exactly like kind of what happens. Like after years go past, you just get used to the fact that she's there now. Yeah. And like you get comfortable. Yeah. You, you, know, you get very just comfortable. Remember, that's the one. As you grow old, that's the one person that's by your side. Yes. I and you're gonna that. need that. Believe me. Mm-hmm. When you start aching and you're in pain. And <laughs> Even before the pain. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, a little piece of advice. You. This sounds like it's from left field, but. Uh, I just like to tell people if you ever find yourself getting like chronic back pain or something like this uh, there are a lot of people in this world that believe that certain aspects of it are psychosomatic and uh, there's a book to read by Dr. John Sarno that talks about the mental connection to it after I read it uh, it kind of went away and I run I do 5k's and everything else like that Mm. so just uh, know that the human mind is so powerful that uh, it could create these these pains for actually, it has a re- it, it does, it's a defense mechanism actually, but because it's so powerful, it can actually go away. I give you a perfect example. Of what happened four months ago? I fell down steps. I grabbed onto the banister and I tore tendons. Yeah, yeah right, 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 right. Yeah. I know what that's about. I did that too. Extreme <laughs> And immediately, I go to the they MRI it, and he's he assigned this so we could do the surgery. And you said nope. He says, "What's my option?" And they go, well, you can try physical therapy, but it, you will never be 100%. He says, at my age, I'm not 100% to begin with. So I went ahead to physical therapy. Six weeks paid for by insurance. And then I took everything from there and I went to my gym. I went to the, gave all the things to the gym instructor. And here I am four months later, and I'm able to do it. Yeah. 90% of everything. I think I got a little popping in here. Mm-hmm. But I don't have the pain. Mm-hmm. I just lift things. I can play guitar. You can do a whole and I didn't podcast have to on have that surgery. issue. <laughs> and there are people that I, li- I personally I listen to podcasts by people that mm-hmm. talk about the mind body connection from mm-hmm. from this. But uh, I, I do like to tell everybody because it, it it's not it doesn't solve everybody's problem, but it happens to be it's it's very 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 common. And uh, I remember in my case where I was getting all this tightness and, and everything else, not the arthritis stiffness that older people get, but just this random back pain from 20 onward. And I read the book and I read it again and I, it, you know, and then all of a sudden it stopped turning me for a, f- a few days and then I went running. 
And now every time I run, it feels good. Mm. That's definitely, great. definitely. That, that 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 that's good. Even though I understand what you guys are like, the mind is the most powerful thing. Mm-hmm. Right. It's definitely the most. Is powerful. that why you always run the Hectors? <laughs> oh, you saw me run. That's right. Yeah, like that. I'm trying, we drive. It's about a, a half a mile. You see, from, running from Yasgur's Farm, where Woodstock is, mm-hmm. to where Hector's is, which they have another stage. We play at multiple places. Mm. So anyway, I'm driving. There he is, running down the side of the road. I go, oh. wow. He'll get there. He'll get there. <laughs> I remember so, as a kid when I was even in Staten Island. I remember I would go to my friend's house and I'd. Home at two in the morning. And I, it just didn't feel that safe going home, so I ran. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they have to catch me. Yeah. So and I actually did get mugged once on the bike. So I started to run like you know, mm-hmm. good luck with the car on the sidewalk because I'm mm-hmm. you know. I no, that's crazy. That's yeah, that's crazy. But I, I guess we we got to wrap it up here. So is there um. You know, any last things you guys want to say to the people? And well, come out and see us. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. Talk about that. Yeah, oh, yeah. like, promote yeah, promote you guys' stuff. Yeah. Well, actually, uh, January 12th, Sunday, uh, 2 o'clock. 2 to 4.30? At the Long Beach Library, uh, Retro 69, which plays Woodstock. We opened up Woodstock this on the 50th anniversary. We are going to be performing the Woodstock show at the library. Uh, it is a free, free show. Free show. You got to get there early so you get a seat. And uh, we will be playing everything uh, from all the people from uh, J- Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix. Uh, Prius Clearwater. Oh, forget it. If you want to go yeah. through the whole list. Yeah, 20, 20. We do like 20 out of 20. Also, we have a web. We have a new website that we, we have. It's um, retro69.net. But, yeah, dot com was taken by some strange overseas site. I don't know what the hell's on it, but it's not us. So it's retro69.net. And the reason we're retro69, Woodstock was 1960. And we are retrospective of it. We don't wear the wigs, but we do wear the 60s clothes. I hear you. <laughs> and, and it will be an educational uh, for anybody, grandparents bring grandchildren to see this show. And we play the bands that people forgot about. We love doing that. We focus on a lot of the bands that... And the grandparents know the sh- know those bands, too. Mm-hmm. So. I hear you. Hey, so... It's a, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. I have a... You know, as I say, as my life goes, I'm in five different music groups. Mm-hmm. But my heart's in with retro because mm-hmm. we're all laid back. And um, we do exactly what, what our heart wants. And I always say, life should be no more complicated than being upset that you didn't get to do a certain song at the show. Right, that should be the word. Right, exactly, like, you. That's the thing. Wait, do you remember the guy used to get on the phone and say, "Oh, I'm, I have terrible news. We can't do this song. Please, God, make my problems like that." <laughs> right, you know what I'm saying? I hear you. I hear you. Well, I appreciate you guys' time. Thank you. Thank for, you for your for coming here. You know, it's, no problem. I we will be looking it. out Thank for your you for this podcast. Let yeah, us know. You who. can find it on uh, SoundCloud, and you can also find it on you this. Video on YouTube. Oh well, that I'll look there quickly. If you guys have Instagram, you can also um follow that. What would be under YouTube? So So what's your channel? Do you have a a channel? Yeah, Yeah, we have have a channel. channel. It's called Jewel Talk Podcast. Now, how's it? How do you spell it? Spell like product? Yeah, yeah, like jewelry, like J E W E L Talk Podcast. You just search that on YouTube, and then we're just and then we're on and then not the cigarette, but the the uh, the ring. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and then we're on um, 
And then on SoundCloud, we're just Jewel Talk. And so, yeah, you can look us up on there. But, um, so thank you, gentlemen, once again. I appreciate your time. Thank you for the wonderful stories and, yeah, you know, the history and knowledge. Oh, we're able on. to fill your... Uh... Go out and buy some records or just go into Spotify and, and, and listen to some of these artists. Oh, no, definitely. I want to, like, yeah, we're going to be... We have a lot of sure. things for research from what we talked And please, yes. um, go, on to my, go on to my website and just go to the Contact Me page and that will get me your email and then you'll get once a month um, an email from us. We're limited to one email a month, so you don't have to worry about getting, you know. Oh, okay, okay. You know, hundreds uh, of Facebook invites that no one cares about because mm-hmm. they get millions of them. And if, so any of you, uh, any of the viewers, like, any of the listeners that are into, like, you know, you know, uh, music uh, from the time period that they talk about, definitely give them a, check out their website, give them a, give them a look, like, head to their show January 12th at the Long Beach Library. Definitely give it a look and just, uh, you know, if you're interested in that type of music, it sounds like a good thing to do. And, uh, you know, a fun activity. Definitely sounds like a fun activity. Remember, it's ret- Retro69.net. Another plug also is if, if you have a band and you cover material from, like, the late 60s, early 70s, keep in touch with us because we'll be recruiting bands again for our charity events, the, the Retro Fests. Retro Fests. I hear you. Okay, okay. So we're going to end it here. So thank you guys, thank, thank you, you Elliot. I don't see you at Dunkin' Donuts. Yes, yes, definitely. But don't thank allow you. me to get that drink because I got very <laughs> sick from it. I got you. I got you. <laughs> so you know who I. So I'm, so, I'm, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, start it off, bro. All right, so I'll be Mac Mo Money. Now finesse Leo. And, and guys, you have been listening to Jewel Talk. Jewel Talk. Jewel Talk. Jewel Talk. Jewel Talk. Spin number jewels. You heard? We out of here. Peace. <laughs> That was great. That was great.